0: Welcome back to the Meet St. Louis podcast, brought to you by Mattress Direct, your local sleep specialist. Each week, we take you behind the scenes of your favorite restaurants, breweries, and small businesses. I'm your host, Alexa Sotos with KMOV. Autumn Sigh and Dave Bloom might not strike you as your typical farmers, and they'll be the first to admit it. That's also because they never planned to become farmers. The idea happened organically back in 2011. Such and such farm came about with no experience, just a desire to try living a better life. But the couple has a way with people, and by building connections, specifically in the restaurant community, their farm in DeSoto grew and blossomed. The couple grows unique produce and raises animals specifically for chefs and restaurants, and the pandemic pivot created a new venture, Farm dinners on their property featuring some of the best chefs in the area, utilizing the ingredients grown and raised on their land. Let's learn more about it. Let's meet Autumn and Dave.
1: Get the best price on brand name mattresses at Mattress Direct. You'll get the guaranteed lowest price, and the non commissioned sleep specialists will make sure you get the right mattress for the way you get to sleep. You'll sleep better knowing you got the best price on the right mattress when you shop local at St. Louis Mattress Direct.
2: Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast.
1: Hi, Alexis.
2: (laughs) So give us a little backstory of the farm. How to get started.
3: So it was about 2011, we were both living downtown Washington or downtown on Washington Avenue and we were just dating at the time and it was right after like the mortgage crisis and mm-hmm. we were kind of looking to invest in something and we thought well maybe we can invest in land because mm-hmm. They're not just like making new land anymore, <laughs> um, and we were still working our full time jobs. Dave was a welder at the city museum on the Castle crew, and I was like a manager for a hair salon, and I was a writer for a live magazine. So we wanted oh, I a didn't know that we, yeah, that's cool. Remember, I
2: interned there. Oh, that was a great,
3: great, yeah. great, great yeah. little um, place off of um, Maryland Plaza. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we were still working our full time jobs, and we wanted to be able to commute basically. Um, Within like a one-hour drive or so, and we found the farm. And um, how did you find it? Like you,
2: did we were you, just looking around online.
1: And, and just like wind.
2: there was this land in DeSoto that was like this. Well, this yeah, I mean, it was
1: just. I mean, I think the the guy who had owned it, the old man, he bought it after you retired, mm-hmm. and so all of his kids, uh, they didn't like grow up there. They're all like you know in their fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, I guess his grandkids did, who are all kind of our age. Um, but I think when he passed away, you know, he had seven kids and, you know, they uh, and between the siblings, they owned it and they just kind of were selling grandpa's or dad's farm. Mm-hmm. And so we just shot him an offer on it that we didn't expect them to take. But I think uh, <laughs> it was like the mortgage crisis. And so they were like, you know, I guess sell it or wait 10 years. Right. And keep mowing all that grass. <laughs> and like. Mm-hmm. and so How large is the property? Uh, it was 88 acres.
3: 88 acres. It was when we bought it. Now it's about 120 Wow. Or so mm-hmm. and yeah. so you got it.
2: And
1: then what? You just said, Okay oh, we we just want to start I mean, at first we kinda of wanted to start homesteading, mm-hmm. like, you know, living more like hand to mouth, like mm-hmm. growing tomatoes and, you know, chopping firewood to heat your house and you know, be more you self-sufficient. Know, yeah, you know, my, my direct, so they cut the middle man out, like, my direct labor benefits like me and my friends and family. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm going to go to a job, and I'm going to get a paycheck, I'm going to take the paycheck, i to put it in the bank, and I'm going to take money out of the bank, and I'm going to give it to the gas company They're yeah. gonna pump me gas. I'm gonna heat my house. I'm like, I'm gonna chop down that tree. I'll burn the wood, <laughs> and it's gonna make me warm. Like, mm-hmm. bing, 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 like very direct line. Right. Yeah. Um,
3: but we neither one of us had any type of farming experience no. at wow. all, whatsoever. So it was just kind of, um, um, yeah, it was a wild start. How did you go about figuring out what to do?
1: Just like the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Like, <laughs>
3: <laughs> we tried a lot of things and failed. A lot. At most of them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the, the mantra of farming is like, well, you know, maybe maybe next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe next year. I mean, we had a lot of good mentors, really. I mean, yeah. So, like, um, we had folks around us, like Jim and Mike Luber that lived near us to give us a bunch of advice, and then Kurt and uh, Sharon Nickermeyer, which are, like, folks who I knew from the City Museum, and Ricky and Mary Fortner, they all lived in Jeffco, and so they had a bunch of farming experience. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of background in construction and mm-hmm. stuff, which came in handy, but construction is sort of like... Uh, you have like um, wiggle room, whereas like, mm-hmm. plants and animals are very pass fail. <laughs> like, you know, like you just, like, oh, they're all dead now. Shit. Oh, oh. Can I curse like, do You can. You I can. Curse? Okay. I'm yep. mm-hmm. okay. going right, cool. turn the Fs per minute down or something like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a little more flexibility on the podcast okay, versus cool. on air. And so, when do you feel like you kind of figured something out? Was there, what was the year that you felt like, okay? We maybe know what we're doing here?
1: I don't think we, still don't, know I think we, know, still, we still don't know what I'm doing. Yeah.
3: I mean, every year, I mean, we're still learning a lot, which is great about farming is that uh, you can do it your entire lifetime and still not know everything. Um, yeah. But as far as, like, kind of figuring things out, I don't know. Maybe it was – I
1: don't know. I mean, we, we started having a business, like, we started that, and that's sort of looking at it, like, through the lens of, like, how am I going to make money? Right. And, like – like something's got to buy the ramen noodles. Mm-hmm. And like you know, what are we gonna do with that? Can't make those. Um, <laughs> can't make the noodles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or the. Or I, mean, I the, guess you
2: could, but yeah, that.
1: Would, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> quite a process. I can't make the gasoline. That's there the you one. go. Like, um, but uh, um, yeah. I mean, that started. We were just growing vegetables, and it was really, it was honestly, it was really Josh Galliano and Josh Mm Paletti. They
3: were at the Libertine
1: at the time. Yeah, they got us into (sighs) it. R.I.P. R.I.P., that fried chicken. It was Mm. a great place. They were (laughs) awesome. And Josh really got us into it, like him and Paletti, and then also Ryan McDonald that we're working Mm -hmm. with, and there's kind of a core group of folks who started the Libertine that we just had... I, think, I forget what it was like a friend of ours' girlfriend was cooking there. So, I don't remember mm-hmm. who it was. How we but we got in there and Josh, Josh squared both Joshes, bought a bunch of our produce and liked it, and said they wanted to buy a bunch more. And started sending us to like introduce their friends to us to mm-hmm. like, oh, these guys get good produce, you should buy it. And the people that he introduced us to were like Gerard Kraft and Kevin Nashin and like all these other people. And like Galliano made a point of like. And and Paletti too of like putting us out there to mm-hmm. all these people and also like taught me a bunch about growing like you know um, like how fine dining works mm-hmm. like I didn't really get fine dining like I thought it was kind of dumb I remember I was sitting outside <laughs> and I was talking to him and we were smoking cigarettes out behind the Liver Team. And uh, I was like, I don't get it, man. Like, I don't get, like, fine dining. Like, a like, big white plate, tiny little food. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just, I think there's
2: a lot of people who might feel that yeah, way. Yeah,
1: and he was... And the way he put it, um, is he was like, it's like... Uh, he's like, well, it's art. It's like a sand mandala. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, like, the Buddhists, they take... They make those big mandalas. They place all these individual grains of sand. And then, like, you experience it. And you look at it. and You enjoy it. And then they just, like dump it in the ocean mm-hmm. because like some art is meant to be like an experience that you enjoy and then it's gone and, mm-hmm. he's like, and that's what fine dining is is that you come into a restaurant and this dude who's the chef who's an artist use all these different ingredients and all these different materials to make this crazy experience for you and then you enjoy it and then it's gone, mm, it's gone. and then it's gone and then no, it's not supposed not all art supposed to get like hung up in your bathroom and examined mm-hmm. every time you go in there that some mm-hmm. stuff's just like a beautiful a beautiful evening and that, that's what it is
0: what was that like to then
2: think what you were growing was going to be a part of that art
1: yeah that's we built the whole business model off that we're just like well you're an artist and like we have a paint factory we'll make you anything you want and we love would just that. we would just sit down with seed catalogs with these chefs every every december every, every yeah. december and be like all right what do you want me to grow you this year mm. and then they would be like all right let's narrow it down fellas you're gonna get 20 <laughs> varieties of tomatoes here like let's you can pick five and like we and and we'd sit down and it was nice for us mm-hmm. on a business, too, because, like, it was already sold. Like, they were, right. like, waiting for it. Like, you'll grow me these weird rashes? I was like, will you buy them? And they're like, yeah, like, cool. I'm going to fuck yeah, I'll grow them for you, whatever. <laughs> if you'll buy them, yeah. Like, sure. And so you um, were just,
2: yeah, that's, a, um, and is that from your
3: um experience talking to other farmers, kind of a different way to go about it. Absolutely. I think so,
1: yeah. I don't know
3: of really any other farmers doing that. But at the time, like 80% of our business was selling to restaurants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, as clients, and that, I mean, that type of, like, customer service is what we really strived for, too.
1: I think there was, like, a difference. We became friends with all the guys. I've, I noticed the guys who work in kitchens remind me a lot of guys I worked on, like, construction mm-hmm. sites with. Mm-hmm. They're all, like, big, you know, bearded dudes with tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> who, like, drink a lot and, like, yeah, And I think that maybe, at least what I've been told by a bunch of the chefs that we're now really close friends with is, like, they've gone and done lots of farm visits with people before, and it's always very kind of, like, Crunchy you know, all the hippies, like, mm-hmm. breathing in the soil or, like, eating tomatoes off the vine and talking about, you know... The Earth Mother going into the food, and I was like, "You guys want to like shoot guns and ride four wheelers and <laughs> blow stuff up?" And they're like, "Yeah, let's go!" And like we, we just all became really so good friends. You kind of created mm-hmm.
2: your own version yeah, well, yeah. of of the farm then, yeah, the farm just, to table. Exactly.
1: We just worked with our buddies then, and then mm-hmm. it was just all of our friends that all were in the restaurant business, and so then it was really easy. We just like grew whatever our buddies wanted, and we all talked and communicated about it like you do with any of your friends, and and it just sort of kind of grew organically from there. Mm-hmm.
2: And then when did you guys sort of start expanding? You were at the, you're were at the farmer's market. When did that sort of
1: aspect come into play? That was mostly after the pandemic, because of the pandemic, like just like restaurants didn't exist anymore. Right, for- so if
2: you're saying 80% of your business was basically going to restaurants, what was that like when everything shut down? So it was <laughs> it
3: was so scary. I was also pregnant when the um, yeah, hand timing right. happened too. Yeah, it was it terrifying. Was, it's just so on whole
2: other scary part of it, right? Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. And um so then obviously we knew we had to make a change and it seems like we are reinventing our business plan like every week or so. We
1: like, we made hand sanitizer, <laughs> we made all sorts yeah. of stuff. Like we were just like I was like, What do we do? We gotta do some someone's gotta yeah, keep making money. Yeah, right?
3: and luckily you had started your metal fabrication business, so that kept, like, the family afloat. But we yeah. knew if we wanted to keep such-and-such such farm afloat, we had to do something um, big, and we had to do something quickly, too. Mm-hmm. So we, we were doing um, farmer's markets. We already had a CSA in place, which was great.
1: Yeah, that was helpful.
3: But we needed some, some other help. We needed some more partnership, too.
1: Yes. Especially during that time, you remember when it was, like, peak hysteria when everyone was, like, spraying their groceries down with yeah. bleach and hanging out at home and making sourdough bread. And, like, <laughs> you know, like, like there's, like, the time where everyone, like, wearing gas masks at the supermarket stuff. It was a wild stuff. time. It was, watching was, Tiger
3: King. Yeah, yeah. watching Tiger
1: King. And it, it was just insane. Like, the world was just, like, upside down. And, like, um, it was, at, at that point, we're like, we have to do it. We don't know what's going to happen. We need to figure something out. And so we started a... Uh, like just kind of brainstorming a whole bunch of ideas Mm -hmm. of like, if, uh, like we looking at it, not like at our business model necessarily, but like viewing it through lines of like, we produce these items Mm -hmm. and like, how do we, and like, we have the capacity to produce these items. Mm -hmm. How do we, um, Produce more of them and sell more of them in order to be able to do it. Like, what do I have the capacity to do instead of like, how do I keep doing what I am already doing? Right. From what we could tell, what we were already doing was totally fucked and like right. it Well, any, yeah, we had anymore. no
2: idea when things would open back up, mm-hmm. when that business would return. Oh
1: yeah, I mean, they're putting like restaurant owners in like jail in California and stuff where people <laughs> open it up, and they were like, yeah. like they're I mean, trying was, to do more. Remember, two weeks to stop the spread, and yeah. it was like it was
2: a wild time, long
1: lockdowns.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. and so, but you guys managed to stay afloat. Mm. You figured it out.
3: And I think one of the reasons why is because we're such a diversified farm. And a lot of farmers, too, they, they mm-hmm. only do like livestock or they do produce, maybe a little bit of both. But because we're so diversified, we do um, vegetables and, you know, protein from, you know, the pigs and then eggs. And we have dairy goats and we do value added products. So during the pandemic, we felt really secure because, like, we had our eggs and milk and our veggies and, and like, all those things, too. And then I think the diversity really kept the business going because we had so many eggs in different baskets. No. Why
2: is that something that why do farmers usually just do like kind of one versus the other? Is it just like a capacity
3: you thing? Because it's so insane to do everything we're doing. <laughs> it's so, in, it's just
1: well, it's also just I insane. Think, I think a lot of times like in reality, like doing just one thing, like if you think about these small family farms, like the way we're doing it, doing a, a bunch of different things that all kind of link together on a piece of land like that's kind of like how humans have done it for Mm -hmm. like 10,000 years now when you don't think of it as like a yeah growing like a thousand acres of soybeans is like the new weird thing like really if you think about it like historically having a little bit of livestock a little bit of dairy having a couple chickens and growing a garden and taking care of like your family and your community and their families around Mm -hmm. you and everyone kind of like that's basically since That's like, how everything was. That's how everything yeah. is. If it, you know that's that's how human beings have done it forever. Right? Mm-hmm. Since the agricultural revolution, like what's that like 7000 years ago or something. something like, like that. that. Mm-hmm. So like in a way like um I think you're that, going back to the roots. Yeah, go yeah. back to the roots, you know, and and it feels right, you know, it's like if it, it's sort of like if we have if we need eggs and I have the capacity to make eggs and like why not just do it? Mm-hmm. You know, we could buy it, I guess, but you know so how
2: many like how many pigs do you guys, like how how big is the livestock portion of the farm?
1: We're scaling it down.
3: We're scaling it a little down. And we did that during, I mean, during the pandemic because you couldn't find a processing date, mm. you know, for yeah. for your livestock animals. Right. So we started kind of paring it down at that point. Um, and then also corn prices got insane. And, and so that's when we started the pivot. But we have about, I don't know, we raise out between...
1: 50 or 60 50 a or 60
3: head of a pigs more. a year. Maybe more. Mm-hmm. And then we have, you know, our sows, we do all the farrowing, which means all the baby pigs are born there on the farm, which also is not as common. Sometimes hmm. you'll, like, you'll just buy starter pigs from another farm. Okay. Somebody else will, you know, birth them for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do everything from farrowing to finish at our farm. Um, so, yeah, we'll do about, I don't know, between 60 and 80, I would say. We've done a up to, like, year.
1: 150 a year. Like yeah. Those.
3: How did you, when you're talking about, you know, that,
2: you know, you were working at the City Museum, you were working at a hair slum not even yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. what 10, You said 2011 is when things started? Yes. How did you figure that out? Like, I'm going to raise pigs. <laughs>
1: that was, The pigs came a little bit later. Um, After we got
3: married, because we got our very first pig went uh, on our wedding, wedding day. Yeah. Was that she, your wedding process? Yeah, yeah. That so it was, was for Carl Blake. It was a, a three-day-old pig. She was teeny tiny, her like maybe is, like two or three
2: pounds. Her name's
1: Piggy Azalea. We still have, have her f- today.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But is that a lot of just you two? I mean, yeah, well, like. Well, the
1: guy yeah. who gave it to us is my buddy Carl Blake. Okay. He's like a quasi-famous in the pig world type of Farmer, in the
2: pig world. yeah, and then, okay. like he's been on mm-hmm. like
1: you know like Stephen Colbert and a bunch of other stuff like talking about, about. Yeah, well, oh, he he okay. produced a really interesting and a bunch of other press like he he took he recreated this type of pig called a swabian hall it's like a german heritage breed pig and like um and a lot of times and so it's like a razorback russian wild boar bred with a Mishan, which is like the fattiest pig in the world and this really like dark red meat angry wild boar when you Hmm. breed them together you get this like super marbled pork that looks like beef with a lot of it's it's really really incredible and then me and him were working together to help to Breed it. But he I knew he had these pigs because I'd seen him on TV and I'd heard and he was friends with some friends of mine. So I just like showed up to his farm and they were like shooting a I don't know a pilot for a TV show <laughs> the for the Discovery Zimmern. Channel. Yeah. No, it was on Andrew Zimmerman, oh, Yeah. Wow. And I was like, I want some of your breeding stock. He's like, I'm not selling any breeding stock. And I looked on his farm, I'm like, your farm's so fucked, Carl. Look at all your stuff you're <laughs> broken. I was like, how about this? I'll come here and I'll just work for free for you for a week. And I brought a buddy of mine with me, and we just hung out at his farm and just fixed stuff and ran water lines. And I was like, and then you'll give me pigs. And he was like, That's the deal. And so I just came there and worked. And just like I was like, I fixed broken stuff and his farm was trashed, man. It was so thrashed. Um but we made it a little bit better and that then, is too funny. Yeah. I mean, I,
2: I mean what's so interesting hearing kind of your journey and your story. It's all about connecting with people. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. the best
1: part. Like, you know, and just do it, you know, like how to it's like that saying, you know, the way you do everything is the way you do anything. You just just, you just do it, you know. Find out if it's as stupid of an idea as everyone tells you it is. <laughs>
2: have there have there been a lot of people who are like, that is a crazy idea.
1: Yeah, but they don't ever do anything. Like, <laughs> they're like, you, know, like, like you know, it's, it's, like, it's like, they're like, I don't know if you should do that. It's like, I don't know, maybe not. I'll, I'll let you know.
2: <laughs> ruin it. <laughs> what would you say has been the biggest success since starting the farm?
1: Um... I mean, it's like there's like moment. financial successes sure. and also just like, like, um.
3: well, I mean, we always say that we don't get into farming. To make a living, mm-hmm. we get into farming to make a life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I haven't really heard of you know a whole lot of rich farmers really rich out farmers
1: there. Yeah, oh, that's that's sure. people, yeah, people always they're like, "How would you guys like? How much do you think farming you guys make like dollar an hour?" I'm like, "Man, if I start viewing it through that lens, I'm mm-hmm. just get like real depressed, right. like, It's like, it's <laughs> like what's the point, man? Like I don't know, like the four dollars? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like we're because making... it's
2: not a job that is like it's not a nine to five. Well, by any re- means. yeah, it's
1: very rewarding. Like mm-hmm. it's like you know, and so like proud moments. I don't know there's like there's been a lot of like disasters that we like
3: worked
2: through
1: worked through and like very like craftily solved like mm. uh like we had a pig escape on the side of a highway like mm. a giant boar we managed to catch him and get him back to the farm like with a bunch his of help his name was
3: boarzilla yeah and the trailer he's, he's, was on fire the trailer
1: caught on fire randomly that's how he oh. yeah, jumped out on highway 70 and like then what? we ran out yeah yeah We just, i was sleeping <laughs> and john was sleeping and our, our john and yeah somebody was driving somebody lynette was driving and like um yeah he just like some train came like a uh, Truck driver came by honking at us, and I looked back, and I woke up and I looked in the side view mirror and I saw like sparks coming out the trailer. And I was like, "Oh, we pulled over." And he pulled over behind. He's like, "Man, big old animal jumped up out of your trailer, started sliding down the highway like a big hockey puck." And I was like, "Oh shit! All right." And so then, I but the trailer was like, "Bar," like all the hay in the middle was on fire. And so we went to go and try and put it out. And then John, was just the one,
2: just the one. Yeah, it was just was one
1: it. big <laughs> boar we were getting from Carl that I was telling you about to breed. And like he was like a special Swabian boar. to get him. And yeah, and I mean, he, he jumped out of this, uh, like, over a five-foot gate of this horse trailer. I imagine when all the straw around him caught on fire, he got real motivated to get up that trailer. Oh my God. And so then I took the trailer to go try and put it out, and I, get, I had, like, a little, one of those little mag lights that people can't uh-huh, on him, and yeah. John ran off with it to try and find a black pig in the woods at night, and, like, he just, he didn't find him, and so we got back, we got the trailer out, and I was, and I called Carl, and Carl was basically like, that sucks. And, like, uh, <laughs> and... I called Autumn and I was like, oh, "Man, you don't believe what happened." And I told her, and then we were sitting there, and I was like, "What are we gonna do?" And I was like, "Well, like, what's gonna happen?" And I was like, "I don't know. Maybe, maybe we find him." Maybe we uh, never find him. Maybe, like, he runs in the highway and, like, a bus full of children hit him and they all die and we get sued. Maybe someone shoots him and they eat him. Maybe he's dead already. And I was like, maybe we find him and we capture him we bring him out of the farm and everything is just totally fine. Uh, I was like, I don't know. But luckily, we got a bunch of buddies that are just, like, down to do some cowboy shit at dawn with us. And so we called a bunch of people, a bunch of the guys in the church from Skate Laborious, like John Dudry and a bunch of these other guys, because I had the church, just got the church right around mm-hmm. that time. And we, I think we'd already built the skate park in it but it was it was early in it and peter and a bunch of guys we all met like around at dawn at dawn it was like and we
3: ride at
2: dawn, <laughs> to, ride at get dawn. to
1: find
2: the boar yeah and
1: i called so i called the cops and i was like because the cops who came into the quick trip and helped us cut the trailer apart mm-hmm. and shit and then they were like i was like hey i'm just letting you know where the guys lost a pig on the end of the highway and the 911 uh, the dispatcher was like oh yeah we heard all about you guys and i was like <laughs> well, we're just gonna be back there looking for him and she was like okay cool thanks for letting us know and she goes hold on i'm getting a call on the other line uh about your pig and they were like your pigs at mile marker 191. Oh my God. And then I looked and we were at 190 and we we're just like, get the truck. And we like ran down the highway and we found him and the police were there with him. And, uh, and we managed that's... to get him kind of cornered. You
2: have to imagine that's like one of those stories that those police officers like absolutely like share. We were like, remember that, that crazy boar? It we was, found? It was like...
1: on Warrington, like way mm-hmm. out in the country. And there, so we all came in normal. and we were like, get, we were catching, we we're trying to catch him. And there's, I remember we were teasing the cops. We were like, how'd y'all lose a pig? And we're like, oh, he jumped out the trailer. It was on fire. And they're like, well, if he starts getting out of the oh, he's like, I don't know, we couldn't find him, man. And like, he found we were teasing the guy, co- but the cops were super awesome. They called, like, they helped us wrangle this pig, and oh it, it wound God. up being I mean, like a big. How
2: big are we talking about here? Huge,
1: huge. Five, like five. seven, five, seven hundred pounds, oh maybe? Oh my I'm God. Giant. And like, so like, it wound up being like this fun thing where like, we're joking around with the cops, and the animal control guys came, and they shot him with a tranquilizer, and they were like, how is he not going down? I was like, I don't know, I've never lost a pig like this before. <laughs> and they stuck him with all this juice, and he's still, and finally, like, me and a couple of these cops that we had been joking joking around with and the animal control guys and like fire guys, but we managed to like get some hands on him oh and my then God. my buddy Lambert, we hog tied him, we got him in the trailer and then he escaped and he got back out of the trailer. We finally got him back to the farm and we let him out. And he like walked past all the food, walked past all the water, just walked right up to the girls was like, it's been a long, Long day, ladies. And he's just <laughs>
3: covered in like road rash, road rash and blood and, and
1: stuff. Yeah. Got got oh right god. to work doing the job that we brought him to the farm to do. <laughs>
3: and we had him for um, years too.
2: Yeah, he's a really yeah. nice guy. Oh my he's god, really that is um, by far the funniest <laughs> success story um, mm-hmm. for that question. Yeah.
1: I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just like I think like I don't know, man. I don't view like view it monetarily. Like, oh yeah, I remember this one time we sold us stuff. It's so much right. money, but like I don't know, man. That's how we like. Hung out with a bunch of animal control guys and a bunch of cops, like right. while we tried to all catch this pig in the side of the highway this train, like that's and then we did, like it was insane. Like I was like, "There's no way we're gonna catch this pig and get him back to the farm and safely." And like it's mm-hmm. like, what are the chances of that? Put him in a blanket and like all carry him up the hill when he's all hog tied, He's flashed at like eight guys, yeah, <gasps> stuff like that. I think is the, oh my my, the best part of farming.
2: Has there been a moment where you're like, "Oh my gosh, what were we thinking buying a farm?"
3: All day, yeah, yeah
2: all, all the time, daily. yeah, all the time. Like, uh, always. Mm-hmm. But could yeah. you imagine doing something different? Like, Could you imagine not have done, doing this? That almost yeah, was a terrible I mean, grammar.
1: I, I can imagine it. Um.
3: <laughs> At this point, I don't really feel qualified for doing anything else now. Yeah. Because, you know, I feel like I've, you just put your whole, it becomes like your life's work mm-hmm. because you we live on the farm. Obviously, we work on the farm. More than just eight hours a day, and like you're constantly thinking about it, dreaming about it, wanting things to be better, and um, yeah, it just it just innately becomes your life work that I can't imagine doing anything else. And I don't know, like I said, what I would be qualified <laughs> nor because I've I just put my entire life into that. But I don't it, yeah. know. It. And you guys have started bringing
2: people to the farm to really kind of experience that. Talking yeah. about these farm dinners, mm-hmm. about how they sort of got started
1: so like we uh we basically just started doing these like these dinners because we had all these relationships with all Mm -hmm. these chefs and so we had done some like big farm dinners before I, i became we had done a there's this thing outstanding in the field that this Mm -hmm. buddy of mine, Jim Denovan does. And we had done three of them Mm -hmm. at the farm. And then me and Jim kind of became friends. I brought him down to the city museum when I was still working there. And then he started hiring me to like go build weird land art for him all over the place. We've done jobs all over Arizona and down at Navajo reservation, went to Mexico. We went, we went all over the place. And, um, but he, and so I was like, Jim does these dinners. We should do some farm dinners. They'd be a lot of fun and we'll do them like a dinner party. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we wound up at around that time, uh, like we're like we need to do new stuff on the farm Mm -hmm. like the found the pandemic changed everything things are like weird we need to figure out so i hollered at ryan mcdonald who was like a real good friend of ours uh there was a chef that we'd been working with for probably like eight or nine years Mm -hmm. at that point i was like hey bro we've been talking to people like do you know anybody that would want to like come out here on the farm and work on farming stuff with us and like some cool new like you know interesting ideas for unique farm to table things Then also like just cool breathe some new just life, just into, new life into it i know you have like a background you used to work at Clavrack and said do you know anybody he's like yeah sure do i'm like cool who is it he's like it's me i'll quit my job right away <laughs> <laughs> and like he just quit his job and started working i was like all right cool that's even better <laughs> it's, <me. laughs> that. it's me i am that person and and so then and so now uh ryan and ashley have a company called farm spirit and mm-hmm. then we partnered with them to create an entity called homie hospitality and then we would do farm dinners and a, and a bunch of other stuff and so they're there you make a reservation online you put your email in and then you kind of join the club and then you can come out and get a reservation to have a big crazy farm dinner and so we have all these connections with all these chefs that we've been working with for years and years and years and years and it's fun to be able to be like you like we were saying like you're an artist and we have a paint factory it's like well you're an artist and we have a paint factory and now we have a massive studio for you right and so like right. come out and make crazy beautiful art for one night and we try to make sure that it's uh, accessible to a lot of people too. Mm -hmm. Like that's also really important to us because a lot of, there's a lot of those like farm to table dinners out there that people do. And they're like, they're proud of them. Like they're Mm like 200, 250 bucks. And to me, that just sucks. That's like being like hey working class people. This is not for you. Like, uh, like, like, no, a lot of people can just, like, drop $500 yeah. on dinner, but if you... And
3: one of the most important things to us for our farm dinners is that we're getting people from every different type of walk of life
1: yeah.
3: and occupation, place they live in the city, and getting them all...
1: Together. to eat together. And Absolutely. And so we want things to be like um, really like accessible to lots and lots of different people. Yeah.
2: Well, and I imagine a lot of times when people come out for those farm dinners, I mean, I've been to one of them. It was such a fabulous night. I remember it actually it was like the last night before I was returning to work during my last maternity yes. leave. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, it's just such a magical experience. And most people don't get to come hang out at a farm. Yeah. Most people don't get to sort of see where their food is coming from. And, you're sort of taking them through that entire process of, like, here's the farm, here's the chefs making the food,
3: and now you're eating the food. Yeah. Exactly. Like, during cocktail hour, people come out and, and see the goats, walk through the garden, even sometimes, like, watch us harvest some things for the dinner that night, get to see the pigs or even feed the pigs sometimes, mm-hmm. and then the um, everything's cooked over live fire, so no gas or electric, so you get to watch the chefs actually make the dinner in front of you and they love the interaction. They love the questions, they love talking to everybody. And uh, so it's really cool to see like there's no you know, no curtains here. Like yeah, you get to see we, everything. We
1: fabricate all the gear too. So like me and uh, we have another company because I'm like a
3: <laughs> oh
2: <my> serial
1: <laughs> entrepreneur <laughs> to the point where it's like a debilitating sickness. But like, uh, Autumn's um, like
2: mm, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> me and all my buddies from the city museum, Premier Parks. After they laid them off, uh, we just snatched all our buddies up and started mm-hmm. our own fabrication company. So it's like all the city museum welders, and we just build weird city museum stuff all over the place now. And so we are been working and designing a bunch of wood fire cooking equipment. Mm. So these giant bird cages and yakitori grills and rotisseries oh. and stuff that are all like flat pack and plasma cut, and they all have like an interesting kind of weird aesthetic to them. And so we, and then we build out of those. So we have also on the, all the gear we make in house and the metal hmm. shop we build it in is on the farm. And so everything is like right there, like the food, the the tables, the animals, the gear, the metal shop. Everything's right everything's
2: there. there. Mm-hmm. How did you get into metalworking?
1: Um. Oh man, I've been doing it for so long. How did I get into it? I don't know. I just thought it was cool. I was like, <laughs> Well, it's cool. Wood's no good. Plaster's a disaster. Steels, steels, reels. Do that. And like, I just kind of got. I just. And yeah, since college. Yeah. Like, when I was in, in school, there was a guy, Adam, that uh, ran a metal shop at my college. And me and Adam became really good friends. And Adam was like one of those. They're, they're, they're a dying breed nowadays. You know, like. You know, those like. Uncle John at the church is like that too and I know a bunch of the guys you know those old old men they have like handlebar mustaches they wear like a beat up ball cap they have like the Stanley green thermos and like they usually have a monosyllabic name like John or Bill or Roy and like they can just build like anything everything, <laughs> everything. they like they'll pull the engine out of your car and put a new put it back in and I think put the fa- pour your foundation to put the shingles on the roof in your house <laughs> like everything and like I was like these dudes are like incredible and like there's and like I don't see a lot of them anymore mm-hmm. like, they're mm-hmm. all like it's an older generation like extremely like, you see them in the country a lot more sure but like um there's just not a lot and so like I uh, I wanted to Want you be that like sort of? You know.
2: they're the idea jack of all trades mm-hmm. kind of yeah. comes those from those types of guys. Yeah, yeah. but
3: they are actually guys. master of
1: all instead of <laughs> yeah,
3: right. <laughs> the, the rest of us for sure. And
1: so I knew dudes like that, but then I wanted to be a oh, and like and I was like, welding's a good place to so start. Welding's really cool, and I liked it. You know, it's like shooting sparks, and you gotta wear a cool hat, and a <laughs> big mask, and it's badass, super kick ass, and like, like and So I went to go work at the shop, and um, I. Uh, I always liked building stuff and working on it since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. So I just sort of started doing that. And then from there, um, just kind of expanded and gotten all sorts of other building weird stuff.
2: Yeah. And it's just continued on into different areas of life. Of, yeah. Of building and things like that.
1: Yeah. But, you know, good buddy, collect weirdo buddies.
2: <laughs> what is the hope for such and such farm? What's the, what's the future hold?
1: That's such a good question. I don't know. Um, I don't know. What do you think?
3: Um, I think like practically on a practical level, it would
2: (laughs) be this
1: week (laughs) to to get through this
3: week.
2: First (laughs) of all, the future (laughs) hold like
1: next month. What are we going to (laughs) do?
2: Well, I imagine that's a big part of being a farmer Mm -hmm. is like, yeah, we, you can't look crazy ahead because Mm -hmm. you're so dependent on,
1: I've been looking at getting this one field mode for a (laughs) long time. Uh, I hope hope that the future holds that. Like, (laughs) um, uh, yeah, there's, um. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like, short-term and long-term. Yeah. Like, now that we're doing... I hope the future holds, like, getting everything all cleaned up. <laughs> we <gonna> do that. <laughs> we're gonna, like, scrap a bunch of stuff. You know, like, we're not...
2: It's funny because it's your... You are sort of looking at just not the... Um- not the overall no, the dream overall. picture. I'm like, man, we really need to clean up that. We mow. really
3: need to all that field. <laughs> we really, case, like, we you know, really like, need, like, need to finish that chicken tractor. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's probably... That's the exciting thing. We have me. 50 baby chicks in our office. We really need to get them out.
1: Yeah, we will do that today. <laughs> you so know, like, and, and like getting the farm cleaned up would be nice. I mean, overall, I would like to do... I think we'd like to do more like interesting farm experiences and stuff for mm-hmm. people. And at first, I wasn't really into that idea like when we first talked about it back in the day we're like i don't know if i want to like invite a bunch of people mm-hmm. out there like we live here we right invite your home. tons mm-hmm. of people into our home and then like i was like i don't know we don't know all these people but everybody came out and they were really really cool and everything was really awesome and then i was like ah you know I'll just like put up some gates and cameras and buy more guns and i'll <laughs> feel better about it and i'll be fine <laughs> like uh it's and it, in general it's been like incredible like we've been, everyone's been like it's been cool to see people like care where their food comes from and like be like genuinely curious and intrigued and like want to have you know a good experience and to like you know understand it like to get it you know because it's Mm -hmm. kind of a weird concept i think to explain like why like farming to people who've never really um
2: do people say are people ever surprised you're like yeah we're farmers like because you don't Maybe well, like
1: you don't think like Alexis.
2: Look at us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look at us. <laughs> you, you I, like your, I
1: like you wear your Wu Tang shirt today.
2: Right? <laughs> yeah, you've got a Wu Tang shirt on. <laughs> How many farmers are usually wearing that in yeah. Jeffco? <laughs> yeah, I
1: know, woo-tang. farming a Wu Tang. Wu tangs for for everyone. Yeah, for, yeah, everyone. Right. Tings for everyone. Wu for everyone. Killer bees on the swarm.
3: Um, no. To answer your, your original question, I would say the overall dream for the farm is to keep doing what we're doing because if you would have asked us that question two years ago, Mm -hmm. I never would have thought that doing a farm dinner, you know, series or events or experiences were in our possibilities or in our wheelhouse. So that's the thing. You just never know. It's really different than having just, like, one physical, like, Mm brick-and-mortar place. And there's, you know, you're confined to, like, you know, these four walls and then this certain, like, business model. But with farming, everything everything is a possibility. And so it's really interesting to see like i don't know where like the wind is going to take us next you know so it's really hard to answer that question because everything is a possibility um that's good but expanding on this would be would be great
0: to learn more about the farm dinners check out Homie hospitality for the schedule of dinners from august to november we'll include a link in the description of this episode thanks for listening and we'll meet you back here next week